Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Hallelujah. All right. Glory. All right, everybody. Thank you, Lord. Good morning. Let me get this thing straightened out here. There it is. Hallelujah. Uh-oh, she told me not to hit the back arrow, so I'll have to hit the front arrow. Thank you, Lord. Good morning. Hallelujah. Let me tell you about, uh, what is this, family Sunday? Listen, your kids won't bother me, just don't let them bother you. You see, because uh, uh, I'm able to out-yell, out-shout, out-run any of the children that's in here. So we can handle it. Amen. We've been there, done that. Thank you for coming. What an awesome day to be alive. Gosh, isn't it wonderful? Is there anybody in here older than 78 and six months. Hallelujah. I can shame the bunch of you now. Don't use your age as an excuse. Hallelujah. You can make it. I'm older than Pip. He's got more miles, but I'm an earlier model. Hallelujah. Listen. I read a survey recently, well, not too recently, everything's recently in my age, the, uh, and the number one question that is asked pastors and teachers is, how can I know God's will for my life? That's just another way of saying What is my purpose? Why am I here? What should I be doing? What is this all about? And in the series that Pastor is currently teaching, we have been talking in the people series, we've been talking about in the beginning about people and knowing who it is that you are. And then recently he began talking about the why of, oh, oh, I forgot to mention the other button. I got too many buttons in my life. We're talking about the purpose of life, the who, now the why of, why am I here? Now, I, I would safely say that if we ran a survey today and asked you to define your purpose, you would probably struggle a little bit trying to verbalize what it is that you see as your purpose. If I were to tell you today that you can, beyond any shadow of a doubt, know your purpose, what God has placed you here for, would you receive that? This means yes, this means no. 
You see, the truth is, some of us don't want to know our purpose because then we would lose our excuse for doing nothing. I remember Donald Reed, a missionary to Africa, who was the first youth pastor of Harvest Time Church. I went with him on a mission trip to Africa. When he went, he fell in love with Africa and nothing has satisfied him since. When I went, I said, I'll never come back again unless I get a handwritten note from heaven. <laughs> because I knew that was not my purpose. I was out of my place. I was out of my anointing and my calling. But when I come to a local church, I am at home because that's where God put me and anointed me and gifted me to pastor a people. And, and you know, those of you that are watching, I don't want to offend you, but you are not my primary focus today. My primary focus today is the people who did get up and did get dressed and did make the effort to come and assemble themselves together. That's my primary purpose. And if you're sitting there in your pajama pants, sipping on your coffee, and you have some reason for not being here, well, then I'll bless you. But if you're just there because you didn't feel like it, shame on you. You need to be here with your brothers and sisters worshiping together in the house because there's something that happens in the house that doesn't happen in your house. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. All right. I was driving to work last Friday, coming over here Friday morning, and... Uh, Saturday morning? No, no, no. Honey, don't interfere when I'm preaching. <laughs> you know, after you've been married as long as I have, it's all right. But it was Friday morning. I was riding over here. You know, after you've been, if you've noticed this, you've been married a long time. Have you noticed this, that you begin to know what the other one's thinking? I I cannot tell you how many times I'm thinking about, well, I think I'd like to go out and get something to eat. And my wife says, you know, we ought to go out tonight. Of course, that's most every night. But <laughs> So I was saying that, that Friday when I was riding over here, I, I was meditating on, on, on purpose. And, and the Holy Spirit just said to me, purpose is more than a casual desire. See, if, if you just have a casual desire to serve Jesus, I doubt you'll find your purpose. If you just have a casual interest in the things of God, if you can take it or leave it, that, that I don't believe you'll ever find your purpose in God. Because you, you remember when Jesus called his disciples, he didn't say to them, now listen, if you're remotely interested, if this is something that kind of piques your interest, then you might consider coming and following me. Is that what he said? He said, no. He said, come and follow me 
and I'll make you fishers of men. You remember their response? It was kind of like, what do you think? You think we ought to give the guy a shot? You know, I heard that church he goes to is kind of squirrely. No, 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 no. The Bible says they immediately left their nets and followed him. And the scripture clearly teaches us that while he was walking on this earth, they were what? Following him. So it's not a, a casual thing in, in the midst of that. I, I like this verse out of Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, but if I say I will not remember him or speak any more in his name, notice what he said. I just have a casual reaction to that. Now, what does the scripture say? He said, then in my heart, it becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones and I am weary from holding it in and cannot endure it. See, that's what purpose involves. It involves something that not as a casual interest or, well, I hope so. Well, I'm just going to get involved enough so they don't expect a whole lot of me. And, and you know, if I can just make it from this life into heaven, well, you know, then, then that's going to be all. No, 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 no. Purpose is more than a casual interest in the things of God. I remember years ago, Sharon and I were serving as youth pastors at the First Baptist Church in Old Ocean, Texas. And I had been in church all of my life. We went to church three or four times a week. Uh, we were there. And so Sharon and I received an invitation to serve as youth pastors and and I was working a 50-hour-a-week job, five and a half days a week. And so we went, and I had always, all my life, had a casual interest in God's purpose for my life. But I began to see as I was there and Brother Bobby would preach, and he was an evangelist at heart. That was his primary motivational gift. I mean, the guy would witness to a door if it would quit swinging. He was just an evangelist. Clearly, clearly, 75% of the congregation in that church, he had personally won to the Lord himself. He was an evangelist. Well, as he continued to preach, I continued to get more miserable. Not that he was singling me out. But I remember clearly the day in my life when my interest in the purpose of God for my life changed. I remember it so clearly in, in my memory as I reflect back on that, that something happened inside of me that moved me from a casual involvement into a serious relationship with God. I began to consider him in every decision made. I began to ask him about everything I did. I, I began to, to show an interest and take an interest in, in the things that really didn't involve me but were good for the 
good of the whole. He changed my life from casual to intentional. And then a couple of years later, I watched as God changed my interest in the things of God and called me into the preaching ministry. I remember walking forward in that same church and taking that same pastor by the hand, and I said, Brother Bobby, God's called me to preach. And he said, I agree 100% with that. He had seen the gift before I. My life so radically changed that I went to work the next morning and I asked my boss if I could have a few minutes of his time and I sat him down and I said, now Mike, I want to tell you something that happened last night at church, yesterday at church. I said, God's called me to preach. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that entails. But as my friend and as my employer, I want you to know that at some point in the future, I'll be leaving what I'm doing to pursue what God's called me to do. Good friend, Mike Wade said to me, he said, Jim, this job is yours as long as you want it. And when you're ready to go, I'll bless you as you go. I didn't have any idea what to do. So I sat down with my pastor. He didn't have any idea either. So he did what he thought I should do. He said, I think you need to go to seminary. Did I mention I was 29 at the time? I wasn't some 19-year-old kid. I was a grown man with a family. So we began to investigate that. And my point is this. Your purpose is going to involve some decisions that'll change your life. Because you move from what it is that you want to do into that which you have had a fire shut up in your bones to do. Now that doesn't look the same for all of us. God may not be calling you to preach. God may not be calling you to move around the block. He may be calling you across the world as it in Donald and Sarah's life. But I'm just saying to you, irregardless of your station in life, whether you're a teenager or whether you're an old woman or an old man, the reality is when you make a commitment of your life and you say, Lord, I want to know what your purpose is, there will be a reformation in your life. And let me say it, after 40 plus years, it's good. God's will for your life, your purpose in this life is far greater than you can even imagine. What God has for you is so much more satisfying and so much more fulfilling than you can ever imagine. You ought to pursue His purpose. I want to talk with you this morning about five peas in a pod. Now, you may not understand that, especially some of you younger that think peas come in a can. Or, or perhaps in the frozen section in this little bag that you put on, your mama puts it on you when you get a sprain or a bee sting. 
But peas actually begin life in a pod. And that's a little thing like you see there on the screen. It's over there to, 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 to your right. It's a, it's a little thing that grows on a plant. And it's got little peas in it. And they're wrapped up in this little case. I want to talk to you about five necessities to fulfilling God's purpose for your life. Now, let me say this. Nobody else can do that. Nobody else can fulfill your purpose. You are wonderfully and uniquely made. You are one of a kind. You are unique. There are a world of people that are better at you at a thousand things than you are. But there's a, not anyone that can do your job. You are unique. And you are special. So we're going to talk about that. And those five things very clearly are this. Person, power, permission, pursuit, and persistence. So let's talk about that. Two things I want you to remember before we go along in that. And that is, purpose is a process, not a destination. Purpose is not somewhere you're trying to get to. Purpose is, 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 is something that you are going to fulfill in the midst of that. Now let's look at a couple of things. Purpose is not somewhere you are trying to get to. If I could just get there, I could fulfill my purpose. No, 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 no. Purpose begins where you are. It starts now. It starts with your limitations. It starts with your failings. It starts with your successes. It starts today. You remember there was a time when Jesus invited someone to come and follow him. And he said, oh, he said, I would. But listen, I, I need to go bury my father. Well, his father wasn't dead. What he was saying is, I need to hang around till daddy dies. And then I'll go. No, 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 no. When Jesus called, Jesus expected a response. Just like with the disciples that were there. So purpose is not somewhere you're trying to get to and purpose is not something you're trying to become. Purpose is a destiny. Purpose is a destiny that you fulfill one day at a time. If you've known me very long, you've heard me, if you've known me very long, you've heard me say that I used to go home from church every Sunday. You remember back in the old days when you had church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And then you had Sunday school on Sunday morning. And then you had youth group. Them was the good old days, hallelujah. But anyway, I used to go home from church on Sunday night and say, I ain't coming back. That's it. I'm sick and tired of them people. They don't appreciate what I do. They don't pay no attention. They don't ever apply all that. I do all that work and all that praying, and they just go home, don't do nothing. Boy, I quit every Sunday night. But I was back in my office on Monday morning. So it doesn't matter if you quit in the meantime, just show up. We'll talk about that when we get to perseverance in the midst. It's a, it's a daily thing. You, you may feel like you, you failed today, but that's all right. Get up tomorrow and go on. Because God is working together for your good all the things that you may have walked through in that day. So it is a new day. I love the morning time. I, I love New Year's. It's, it's absolutely a chance to begin again. 
Secondly, I want you to understand this. There's a huge difference between success according to God's definition and the world's definition. See, I believe that one of the things that has happened in Christendom, and this is not a criticism, is that we have set our sights as churches in succeeding according to the world standard. Now, now what, is, what is success in the world standard? It's more customers. It's more sales. It's greater attendance. It's it's, you see what I'm saying? And that's not always God's definition. Now, now, anything that God plants grows. You, you know, the, the, the first 20 years of this church that I pastored here, my prayer was always, God, don't let it die when I go. Because if harvest time had died when I quit, it would have not been what I desired for it to be. And so now here we're 34 years into this thing and the church is better than it's ever been. See, that's success in God's standards and I believe in my standards in the midst of that. Now, I'm not saying that you ought to be satisfied. You got, you know, just me and my four no more and I'm satisfied with that. No, 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 I'm not saying that. But I am saying understand that God has a different view of success perhaps than the world would have in the midst of that. Stay with me. You know, back in the old days, you remember when that was? All right, let's talk about the five necessities to fulfill God's purpose. How many of you, how many of you, if you knew God's purpose, would strive to fulfill it? Would you do that? Now, what did I say? I, I said these five things. Here they are. Person, power, permission, pursuit, and persistence. Now, here it is. The person is Jesus. The power is the Holy Spirit. The permission is your willingness. The pursuit is your natural effort. And the persistence is staying with it until it becomes a reality in your life. So let's take a little bit of time and look at these if we might. Let's talk about this thing of the person. I grew up in church. I went to church nine months before I was even born. My family was church going. And about eight or ten years old, I walked forward in a church service, took some preacher by the hand, said, I want to get saved because that's what he said I needed to do. He said, God bless you, sit down. I did. A couple of weeks later, they took us down to an old stop tank out in the middle of the field, and they baptized about four or five of us. And the only thing I recollect, the only revelation I had from that experience was that if I wiggled my big toe, the water would get muddy as it came up. In other words, there was nothing there. So then years later, I was a sophomore in, in high school, 
at, at Ector High School in, in Odessa, Texas. And uh, I went forward in a church service. And I said, you know, I, I really feel God's calling in my life to something. And they said, well, God bless you. Sit down over there. And, and they may have prayed over us. I don't remember that. But I never did anything with that. See, I was, I was dancing around my purpose. I was acknowledging that I had a purpose, but I wasn't sure as to how to fulfill it or what to do with it in the midst of that. But then one day, I met Jesus. You see, I knew about church like some of you. I knew a few scriptures like some of you. I went to church with some degree of regularity like some of you. I, I, I did a few churchy things like some of you, but I did not know the person of Jesus Christ. I knew the story about his virgin birth. I knew the story about his sinless life. I heard the story about the resurrection from the empty tomb. I listened as they explained to me how he died on a cross for my sins. I rejoiced at Easter with the rest of the congregation when they were talking about the resurrection. But I didn't know Jesus, just like some of you. I, know, I knew enough to stay out of trouble, to keep the preacher off my back, but I did not know Jesus. First thing that's going to happen if you're going to discover your purpose is you have got to come to know you know Jesus. Everything else is going to get in the way. There'll be always an excuse. There'll always be something else. But when you know Jesus, your life changes because you met him face to face. You see, Christianity is not about being a better person. It's not about doing good things. It's not about what I was raised with. You know, when I was raised up, you know, a good young person in the Baptist church didn't smoke, drink, dance, cuss. And then when he got married, he didn't run around on his wife. I was better known for the things I did not do than I was for the things that I did, just like some of you. Somebody says, are you a Christian? Oh, yes, 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 yes. I don't smoke, and I don't cuss, and I don't chew, and I don't go with girls that do. But you don't know <laughs> Jesus. You don't know Jesus. I'm talking about you don't know him. It's not that you don't know about him. It's not even that you don't love him. It's just that he's not the primary focus and the impactor of your life. And that's where the purpose comes in. Because the first prerequisite, the first necessity to knowing your purpose is to know that your purpose is in him. It's not in knowing about him. It's not about doing Jesus things. It's about knowing him and the forgiveness of your sin. See, if, if you're constantly battling your old lifestyle, you don't know Jesus. 
What, what am I saying? I'm saying this, that to know Jesus is to know his forgiveness. It's to know his purpose. You, you, you've got to, to know Jesus is to know I'm here for a reason. I'm here to, to fulfill something. I, I, I'm not an accident. I, I have a divine reason for existing. And the problem is we always try to make that some big something. And Jesus says, no, I'm the big something. If you let me be the something in your life, then you can find and fulfill your purpose in the midst of that. Listen to this passage of Scripture in Acts 4.12. It says, There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. No other way. Notice it didn't say anything. Well, you go, you're going to quit smoking, drinking, cussing, you're going to change your life, quit beating on your wife. No. No, it says there's one name and there's one name only. It's not the Baptist name. It's not the Catholic name. It's not the tongue-speaking name. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And if you have any other reason than Jesus, I doubt you'll find your purpose. Well, you know, Pastor, I just really, really want to be somebody that uh, would, would just make people happy. Listen to this verse, just John 17, 20. I do not ask on behalf of these alone. This is, Je this is the high priestly prayer of Jesus out of John 17. And in, this, in the midst of this prayer, listen to these words that he says. Jesus said, I do not ask on behalf of these alone. That was those that surrounded him. But for those who believe in me through their word. Did you get that? Jesus prayed for you. For those who would believe because of the word. We believe because of the word. So he prayed for us. Now notice what he prayed. Even as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Jesus said, Father, you're in me and I'm in you. Now listen to his prayer. That they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. What is the evidence that the world needs to see to believe in him? It's who's in us. We are the one. We're, listen, we're a, we're a, a, a living advertisement. We're a digital message. We're broadcast to the world every day. And what we're communicating is saying to the world how important Jesus is. Is he important enough for us to clean up our, our conversation? Yes. Is he important enough for us to check? Yes. Is he? Yes. There's no other answer. He's got to be number one. And if he's not, we're just going to be in trouble in the midst of that. Now, how about the power? Remember, it was the person and the power. Now, you know, the, the church systematically, every since the day in Pentecost, the church has systematically tried to unplug itself from the power source. 
Can I say that again? The church historically has tried to unplug itself from the power source. The power source is not the fact that you know Jesus. It's not the fact that he's inside of you. The power factor is that the Holy Spirit is the giver of the power. Jesus opens the door. The Holy Spirit comes in to empower us. But you see, let's look at the scripture. Read on the screen. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. Jesus is speaking. He said, but to wait for what the Father promised, which he said, you heard from me. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days. So when they had come together, so when they had come together, they were asking him, Lord, is this the time you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But now notice this. It's in your Bible just like mine. But you will receive power after or when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the uttermost part of the world. Did you hear him say, don't you go out. Don't you try to live it. Don't you try to preach it. Don't you try to sell it. Don't you try to give it away until you have been to the place where you have not only known me as your personal Savior, but where the Holy Spirit has come and empowered you to do what it is I've called you to do. He said, it is after the power comes that you'll be my witness. He cautioned them, do not leave Jerusalem. Go and stay there until you have been endued with power and then you can go and be my witnesses. How come we don't like it? How come we keep trying to pull that plug? Because we can't control it. The Holy Spirit is like the wind. It blows wheresoever it willeth. Now, I'm not talking about confusion. I'm not talking about out of order. I'm talking about the fact is that the power of Jesus is in control. You know, as a Baptist, historically... The Holy Spirit was misrepresented to me. You know, I understand that no man comes to the Father save the Spirit draw him. I understand the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation. But that's not the end of the work of the Holy Spirit. Not only did He come to convict you of sin, righteousness, and judgment and usher you and invite you into the kingdom of God to know Jesus as your personal Savior. Jesus said, I'm going to send you a helper, one like me, who will be in you. In the same way that I was with you, 
When we walked by the Sea of Galilee, I was with you. You remember that, Peter? You remember that, Matthew? I was walking with you. We were together. I'm going to send you somebody just like that who's going to live inside of you. And so I'm going to be with you forevermore inside of you until you're back with me. I'm going to be with you. That's the Holy Spirit's ministry. Now, why would we run from that? Why would we try to minimize that? Because we don't understand it. We're afraid of how it makes us look. That's the power. Now, how about the permission? You got to know Jesus. You got to know Jesus. You know, it's, it's like the little girl, we was watching a movie a while back, and the little girl was asking her mother, who had lost her husband several years before, and, and she was in a relationship with another guy, and the little girl said, do you like him? And the mama said, yeah, I like him. She looked at her mama and said, do you like, like him? See, I think that's what we need to say about, do you love Jesus? Yeah. Do you love, love Jesus? You see, because it's that second one that puts the motivation in us to do what it is to fulfill the purpose that's in our life in the, in the middle of that. Permission means to grant, to consent. It's to give authorization. In other words, if, um, if, you used to, if you're used to praying, now, Lord, I want to do whatever in the world that it is you want me to do. I, I'm yielded to your purpose. I, I want you to be alive inside of me. But, Lord, I don't want to go there, and I don't want to do that. And I, then you're not submitted. You're not giving him permission to do what it is. <laughs> Thank God for my wife. She has chased around this country following me as I've tried to obey God. Listen, let me say this. Can I say this to you as your senior elder? That's the position that I hold. I'm your senior elder. Let me say to you, that's the devil that's lying to you that, that causes you to think you lose something by following Jesus. No, 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 no. No, that's not the case. Listen, I've been at this a long, long time, and Jesus has never done anything but add to my life. He's never done anything but bring stuff into my life. He's never taken anything away of, of any good, but he's always given me so much more that is good. See, give him permission. He touched their eyes, Matthew 9, 29 says, be it done, it shall be done according to your faith. And then in Mark, Matthew 8, 13, he says, Jesus said to the centurion, go. It shall be done to you as you have believed. And at that very moment, that servant was healed in the midst of that. Therefore, the one who knows the right thing to do and does it not to him, it's sin. See, you, you, you say, I want to know your purpose. And he says, this is my purpose. And, and you say, no, what's the other purpose? You don't get a choice behind the three doors. 
You know, it's not a multiple choice. Because nobody else can fulfill your purpose the way that you can fulfill your purpose. Nobody else can be who you, you need to be and who he's created you to be. Now, that's not some kind of freaky something that suddenly I've got to put on this long dress. And, and No, no, no. I'm not, I, the purpose of God is lived out in your daily walk. Your purpose is not a destination you're trying to get to. It is a destiny that you're walking out. Whether you're a plumber, electrician, whether you're a president, whatever you are. Your purpose is wrapped up in your daily life. It's not becoming something. It's not doing something. It is being in Him, and you have to give Him that permission to do that. Now, how about the pursuit? Pursuit means the action of following or pursuing someone or something. In other words, it is your effort to do it. When I sensed God called me to the preaching ministry, my first response was no. No, I don't want to. You know, I was kind of like Moses. I, I don't talk good. You know, listen, Miss Lisa, I'm sorry. School just never was my main forte. You know, I love school. Listen, I got a perfect attendance award my first year as a junior. Perfect. Didn't miss a day. Hundred and however many days we had to go then. I loved school. It was the work I hated. It was algebra and geometry and God, we didn't even have calculus back then. I don't even, I, I would have had to get me a rubber stamp to stamp my calculus papers at the top to tell them what it was. Spell calculus? Come on. Carburetor? Alternator? Yeah, I could do all right. But, but some of those nonsensical kinds of words, like, you know, that was my position. See, I wasn't pursuing an education. I wasn't, that wasn't my pursuit because I didn't see it as my purpose. I said, I don't care if all my sentences have dangling participles, whatever they are. <laughs> and I really don't care a whole lot now, but the, <laughs> the, what am I saying? I'm, I'm saying you'll pursue what your purpose is if you give him permission. But, but, but you pursue, well, you know, well, I'm just, if God wants me to do it, well, then, then I'm willing. No, 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 no. Listen, in the kingdom, there is no participant trophies. Well, I went to church and I get a trophy. No, 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 no. Well done, thou good and faithful servant comes when you've been a good and faithful servant. It doesn't come when you've been sloppy, unresponsive. <laughs> but we want it. See, that's, a, that's the reason 
In, 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 in kids' athletics, we felt pressured to give everybody a participation trophy. Well, I know you're by far the best player. You're the, you're the M, M, MVP. I know you're the MVP, but, but we, we don't want to make anybody little Johnny over. Johnny ain't showed up for practice. Johnny ain't done nothing. Johnny hadn't done. And you want to give him the same trophy you give the guy that has worked his heart out? Come on, give me a Holy Ghost break. That ain't even true. That's not even right. There have always been men and women that are superior in what it is that they do. I just read this week, there's a university somewhere that is going to quit giving away honors in their math program because they don't want to make the ones that are less math inclined some of those people in college need to study to be a plumber. They ain't got no business in college. They had the same problem I did. You see, listen, quit trying. Stop it. Everybody is not going to be the same level of competence in every area. And the better you know who you are in Christ, the better you're going to be at fulfilling your purpose. You know, I, gosh, I, I just listen to other preachers and I think, dear Lord, what am I doing up in a pulpit? But you see, I didn't put it there. It's God put it there. And that's the, that's the thing you've got to find to fulfill your purpose. And then when you begin to get an inkling, you, you begin to pursue it. And then at some point, there it is. Isn't it good? See, it, it's not a destination you're trying to reach. It's not some new entry for your resume. It is a purpose of fulfilling a destiny in your daily life. It's every day, not methodical, but always deliberately living it out in Jesus' name. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with your whole heart. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Romans 12 says, Therefore, brethren, I urge you by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove. Remember what I said when I started? People want to know what is the will of God for my life? That you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. See, church, can I say this? There is a too late with God. You know, I like these, some of these modern worship songs that lead me to believe that irregardless whatever I do, God's going to pursue me and bring me back. 
Can I say to you in all honesty, there is a too late for God. In other words, you can put it off, you can make excuses, you can diddle around after God has spoken to you, and it can come a time when that's... You say, well, I don't like that, Brother Jim. Well, tell them that down there at Sodom and Gomorrah. There was a too late for them. You can go through the Bible and find a number of too lates. It was too late for Judas when he hung himself, but there was plenty of time for Peter when he repented. Seek the Lord while he may be found, at least says to me, there may come a time when he can't be found. Call upon him when he's near, which suggests to me that sometimes he may not be as near as. John 6, 44 says, No one can come to the Father left to, uh, come unless the Father who... No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on that last day. So the point I'm making here, ladies and gentlemen, is, is that today's the day to start. Now, Sharon and I just embarked on a, a, a new journey, which for people our age is almost inconceivable. We sold our place over in Van Vallette, and we bought a couple of lots over in Sweeney. And we're in the process now of, I mean, I don't have money like some of you where I can just call somebody up and say, come do this. If the come do it is, I usually come and do it. And uh, my wife was talking to someone the other day, and they were talking about, well, they had to call the plumber in for this and the TV repairman for that. And she said, she looked at me and she said, I've never in my life called anybody to fix anything. Listen. With all this in me, I'm just telling you this. You know, pastor can give us all the preaching about purpose. I can pour out my heart about purpose. But you can sit there and ignore it. And there may come a time when it's just too late. Well, I thought you said I was wonderful. Well, you are, but you're not that wonderful. You know, you're, you're not God's last attempt. I mean, he's he going to make one more shot at it. No, 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 no. God's not out of control. Listen to me, young people. God may be calling some of you to, to a, a ministry, a preaching ministry, a, a, a missionary, a, a whatever. Yeah, does he call doctors and lawyers and Indian chiefs? Yeah, 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 yeah. He said, I know the plans that I have for you, and they're good plans. They're plans with purpose in the midst of that. So let's, let's talk about persistence just before we close. Persistence means is a firm or obstinate continuance in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. 1 Corinthians, Paul said, Therefore, my brother, beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain. You heard me say a while ago that, that I quit every Sunday night, but I showed up every Monday morning. 
That's all right. Because you keep pursuing with persistence what God's called you to do. Now, before I move into this last little section, I want to just talk to you. I want to say something. (laughs) The... uh, Purpose comes in pieces. And as you're searching for God's purpose for your life, irregardless of wherever you may be, stop in Jesus' name waiting for the whole picture. He gives you a part at a time, enabling you to fulfill that part. And for you to say, well, you know, that couldn't be God because if that was God, then I would have to. No, no, no. That's five years later. Right, right now, he's saying to you, this is my purpose for you. This is my plan for your life. Do this right now. Take care of this. Start this. Move out right now. Uh, accept this responsibility. Do what, do what I'm saying do. And in doing that, he shows you the next part of your purpose. See, I told you early on you wasn't listening. Purpose is not a destination you're trying to get to. Purpose is a destiny that you're living to fulfill. And at the end, you say, oh, now it begins to make sense. Be faithful. Be persistent in what you're doing. Now, you'll find on the screen this quote. It's not a quote. A pea in a pot. And I'm not talking about a pea pot. I'm talking about a pea in a pot of peas. A pea in a pot with other peas does not diminish or di- uh, its distinctiveness or purpose, but rather enhances them. Now listen to this. A believer's purpose is always meant to be fulfilled in community. Can I say that again? A believer's purpose is always meant to be fulfilled in community. There are no lone rangers in God's purpose. Let me talk to you guys at home. Now, some of you are there because you have a good reason. But some of you are there because you've gotten lazy. And it's just easier to sit there in your pajama pants than it is to get up, take a shower, shave, and come to church. You're undermining your own spiritual well-being. And if that offends you, I'm sorry. The reality is, is God saved you, filled you with the Holy Ghost for a reason to be a part of the whole. And your purpose, as good as it is, and as well as you may be doing it, you'll never fulfill your genuine purpose apart from the body of Christ. Never happen. It just won't happen. Well, you know, I, got, I pray every morning three hours. Good, 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 good. You need to bring that prayer to church because there's a lot of us that don't pray three hours every day. So we need your prayer life. 
Oh, I'm a witness everywhere I go. That's good, 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 good. You need to bring that witness to church because a lot of us don't. Oh, I'll tell you one thing. I don't smoke. Not. Yeah, bring that to church because a lot of them do. You understand what I'm saying? Your purpose and fulfilled purpose is in the body of Christ. So what am I saying? I'm saying this. Whoop, excuse me. Here's what I'm saying. Find a church, join a church, get involved in a church, and stay committed to a church. See, we got this idea that we're going to get the trophy whether we participate or not. What happens to your talent and ability when you don't use it? It diminishes. Does it not? You don't get better at something by not doing it. All you get is fatter. You get better by doing what it is that makes you better. So purpose is wrapped up in a daily lifestyle of pursuing the one who lives in us, empowered by the one given to us, pursuing what it is that we're able to do, giving permission for the Holy Spirit to work in our life, and then staying with it until we see the fruition of it. Now, that's not too hard, is it? Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you know, know Jesus? I'm not asking you, do you know about Jesus? Do you know about his life and his sacrifice? And his, do you know, know Jesus? Do you know him in your liver? Not in your physical organ, but down in where you live in. What is your first thought when adversity comes? What is, your, what is your first thought when need comes? What, what, what do you think about first? Is it, whoa, it's me? Is it, oh, Jesus. See, do you know, know him? Do you know him? And see, nobody can answer that question for you. Everybody thought, you know, that, that Jim Hardaway, he's the best Christian teenager I ever knew. I was a heathen. I, I, knew, how to, I, I knew how to say the right things at the right time, and, and I knew where to be at the right place at the right time, but boy, my heart was miles away from a desire to let Jesus reign, reign and rule in my life. And you know, I can say to you today, I, I say this without any... Any hesitation, I, I, I believe that at this stage of our life, that mine and Sharon's primary focus, if you cut us, I believe it would run out. And Lord, what would you have us do? And how would you have us do it? You know, Donald, I will go to Africa, but he's going to have to show me. You understand what? I, I, don't draw, I don't draw a line and say, well, I ain't going to do that. I don't want to go to Africa, Donald. Don't ask me to go to Africa, Donald. But I would go if the Lord, if I got a telegram in the morning and he said, Jim, report for duty. No, I would. No, I'm just saying, you understand what I'm saying? I'm just saying there's some things I'd rather do and some things I'd rather not do. And I'd rather not go to Africa, but, but I would. 
Because you know what? If he sent me there, I'd find everything I needed there. And that's where you are. You know, quit sweating it. I mean, you're, you're trying to make something out of it that it's not. Just determine every day of your life, I'm going to hear him, be empowered by him, and go where he wants me to do it, do what he wants me to do. I'm going to be the best employee that they've ever had. They're going to wonder why in the world I do such a good job. I'm going to tell them, Jesus, he lives inside of me. Amen. Is that too hard? I don't think that's too hard. I know there's not one in here that can't understand everything I've said today. Because all of you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know that. Now I'm going to ask you this second question. Do you know, know him? And will you obey, obey him? In other words, listen. You know, I believe there is something about coming forward in a service that happens. But I have seen hundreds, yea, thousands come down an aisle, pray a prayer, and never changed. But I have watched some that didn't say a word to nobody about nothing, and they knew in their heart God had changed my life this day. And that's the one I want. That's what I want you. That's how I want your response to be. I want you to leave here. And from this point on, God has changed my life. And when you begin to say that to yourself, you'll begin to see it manifest in your life. Stand with to your feet, would you? Now, Father, thank you that the invitation is for whosoever will may come. You've not drawn any distinctions. You've not said you've got to jump through this hoop or you've got to do that or be this way. He said just whosoever will may come. And so, Father, that's where we stand today. There are a congregation of whosoever's here. They all look different. They all talk different. Father, even some of them like crawfish. Can you imagine that, Father? Jesus. But you love them. They're precious. And they have purpose. Would, would, would you just let a vision come into your mind of what life would be without all those restraints that you've put on it? And just honestly say, Lord Jesus, I trust you. Firmly convinced that you know better than I about what my life ought to look like. I repent of all that I've done that's been disobedient. And I say, Lord Jesus, I want to be obedient to your will. Whatever that looks like, Father, I don't have a clue. But from this day, this day in April, I'm going to mark it on my calendar. I am pursuing you with persistence, empowered by your Spirit,
knowing you're in me, willing to do it. If you can pray that prayer, would you just say amen and amen. Lord bless you. Thank you for being here. Brother Pastor. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web.